It's football and other F words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F words pod. Joined by always, always, more than likely, always, Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL. You can follow him on Twitter there. You can follow his written work every week over at paulkarski.com. And if you're looking for even more information about Titans quarterback situations, free agency classes that I'm going to be conducting coming up, it's all going to happen at stackingtheinbox.com, $4 a month. Free agency has started officially with the transition tag. I know that means that, hey, but the free you can't sign free agents. This is really the offseason has started with the transition and franchise tags. Window opening up, you have from today, which is February 21st, all the way to March 7th for them to get all that taken care of. And tomorrow, Wednesday, when you're listening to this podcast, you are going to figure out Free Agency 101 has started. Free Agency 101 is on Wednesday, 201 on Thursday, and 301 on Friday, all at stackinginbox.com, all tackling various issues to make you smarter fans so you're not saying stupid shit and getting constantly wrong on Twitter. Mike, we are brought to you by, as always, Jaspers in Nashville, and I never let you do an ad read, and I did not tell you I was going to let you do the ad read today, but I'm going <laughs> to let you do an ad read today. You need to go to Jaspers and check out uh, the great food and drinks and free parking uh, at Jaspers. And, uh, you know, if you are into watching tragic uh, horror films, um, go see some Preds games uh, at Jaspers. I believe they're airing some of those, uh, you know, um, you know, just abominations. Movies. Ice yeah. abominations, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, see, uh, see what, whatever they do at the trade deadline, whenever they don't do anything and try to win with the sorry, sorry core that they've been trying to win with for like six years now, uh, since the, uh, the Stanley Cup run, you can go watch them flame out in spectacular fashion. It's horse show on ice, the ice That's capade right. over there uh, at the Bridgestone Arena more often than not. But yes, you should go Jasper's two for one on Sundays, of course. Next evolution of Sports Bar. Um, Mike, I think I'm going to start off with this Taylor Lewan situation because it's already being put into here. Now, I have been a big proponent that Taylor Lewan doesn't really want to accept less money and that he would th he's going to bank on himself to go elsewhere. That's kind of what he the message he has conveyed up until the Super Bowl, which I just found out this morning that he did an interview with Titans.com, is a, a Tennessee Titans.com with Jim Wyatt at the Super Bowl. I don't read every Jim Wyatt article, and maybe I should, uh, but there is a lot at the Super Bowl that just doesn't interest me that happens on Radio Row, and that's to no fault of Jim Wyatt. That's just the state of media that week. But here is what Taylor Lewan said that you guys brought to my attention in the group chat this morning because I was unaware that this existed. Obviously, my contract is $14 million next year, Lewan said. If they come back and are like, if you want to come back, this is the number we'll bring you back at. I'm sure there will be somewhat of a conversation of, how does your knee look? Are you interested in playing? Mike and I have a fantastic relationship. Mike and I talk. We text. He makes fun of me and Will on a group chat on a consistent basis. I do it's that, a, yeah. Yeah, it's a great relationship. So there will be a lot of transparency, and he'll tell me how he feels and what he thinks, and if he thinks that's a good thing for them, then there is absolutely a conversation to be had. 
If I was going to play another year, my preferred spot would be where I've been for the last nine years. I'm a loyal guy, and it would be it would feel very uncomfortable for me to wear a different uniform. Okay, so that is a lot to unpack. But that lets me know that he's at least open to the idea of looking at an offer, right? Isn't that what you, t- what do you take away from that? Because that's what I yeah. take away is like, oh, he's, he knows that he's not worth 14 million. His market may have cooled off since his initial comments a few weeks ago. But what do you read into the, those right there? Yeah. I mean, I think he's been pretty consistent this offseason, whether you go back to the, uh, K. Adam no comments that he made. Um, you know, he expects to be released by the Titans. He knows that they are not in a position to keep him on the current contract that he's on because, I mean, look, you can save $14 million right off the rip uh, with no dead money and just, you know, for what they've gotten out of him the last few years, you almost have to do it given the cap situation that they're in and what he's brought to the table for them recently. And it is a, what have you done for me lately kind of league. Um, Now I I think medically, if he is right, as far as the knee goes, which is a big question mark, it sounds like there was some sort of issue with the first ACL injury that may have led into the second ACL injury, which by the way, same thing happened to Odell Beckham jr. Um, And, you know, even the Rams, I, I think reports came out last year saying that the Rams felt like his knee was a ticking time bomb uh, and that it was only a matter of how many games they could get out of him before he actually tore that knee again. Um, and, it, you know, it eventually ended up happening. But I, I feel like if you know that the knee is right and you're kind of getting a blank slate, Taylor Luan, he's a good option if you can get him to take less money. But it, there's no way you can bring him back full salary and he knows that um i do think i i think it's more likely that he retires than that he goes somewhere else to me i i think he is he he's already mentioned that he's gotten media offers um or is not maybe maybe not offers but he has talked to networks about you know doing probably some sort of studio show or maybe play by play. I don't, I don't know which route he would be interested in going there. My guess would be like studio show kind of stuff, or maybe like he did with Amazon. Uh, he did that one uh, Amazon broadcast where he was on there. Um, so I think he's got interest on that side of things. He's obviously got the podcast, which right now, I mean, like at this point they're making money, uh, good, pretty good money uh, on the podcast. So, and like he renting out restaurants yeah, in Cabo and uh, throwing dance parties in there and all the kinds of crazy stuff. Well, but, he I mean, mentioned I guess, in the Jim Wyatt article yeah. that he doesn't need money. Like yeah. he's not going to come back to play for five million dollars, frankly, because it's probably not worth it him physically long term to do that to put his body at risk for another year for five million dollars. So I, I don't know what his number would be that he would have to have to come back, but. My guess is that there is a firm number, and if he doesn't get that, he'll just retire and go be a media guy. So we we think that he's he's got a number in his mind and that if the Titans and them kind of come to that number, he's willing to come in, and, and that requires taking a pay cut. So last night, or is it, I guess this morning, but the, the podcast was last night or the video YouTube, our favorite Titans insider that we like to talk about <laughs> that has given nothing but headaches to everybody is Titans Rossi. And he, this is what he tweets. This just came down the pike from our insider at Titan Up Network, which, by the way, 
improper marketing again by Titans Rossi by not even tagging the insider now. Like it's gone from he's taking all of this stuff and putting it on his account to not even crediting that it was Big Sportsman Six. So Big Sportsman Six, the B BSS or BSMS. Is it Big Sportsman uh, Six or Big Sportsman Three? Oh, I thought he was six. Is he uh, three? That's oh, hard man. to keep up with. That's hard to keep up with. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know there were that many big sportsmen out there. Uh, Taylor Lewan, and this is what big sportsman says, just kind of like chilling in the back of his seat, just all nonchalantly. Taylor Lewan is willing to take a huge, huge, is what he says, pay cut to come back next season. Okay. So that happens, and that, of course, sparked our conversation, which led you to direct me to this article, which... Does it really say that he's willing to take a huge pay cut? It's just that yeah. I understand that if I'm going to come play, I'm going to have to take a pay cut. Yeah. So we're kind of parsing words here, right? Between huge pay cut, willing, I'll talk about it or I'll think about it. Like if you're, if it's in your head, you're kind of willing to entertain the idea. Okay. This leads to Taylor Lewan to say, quote tweet. First off, Taylor Lewan, his wife said, uh, believe the direct quote was. I have sources that say this never happened. <laughs> I bet her sources are pretty good. Yeah, the bear sources are pretty good. Close Taylor, to the situation. Yeah, Taylor quotes it and says, "Almost fell asleep watching this video." I can see why, but because they're 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 tough videos to watch. Uh, they sometimes have good information, but production value needs a little work, a little entertainment value. Not everybody can be as entertaining as us. Uh, but they did a great job of saying stuff to keep the Titan fan base interested. However, I've never said what they are saying I said. Shout out to these guys, though. Just a couple of soldiers trying to do the best work they can. And then he gives them a little uh, the, the salute emoji. He kind of said it, though, right? I mean, like, he probably, he's not saying the defining words that they're saying, but this is also kind of a, it's one of those situations that we talked about last week about Titans Rossi and the Titans, uh, Tighten Up Network is that a lot of their stuff that they report as sourced is kind of duh stuff. And doesn't this seem to fall in that category? Like they read this Jim Wyatt article and maybe they took a little certain liberties to make it seem like there's they have a source that he said that he's willing to take a huge pay cut. Like maybe they're adding the huge, but like it just seems like the only difference between what they said and what Taylor said with Jim Wyatt is that is the huge part, right? And and what Taylor said on on Kay Adams show and what Taylor said on Bustin' with the Boys, like he's mentioned it several times that he would be willing to have a conversation with them about what the number is. So yeah, I think huge is the only thing that's you know being added on, and who knows what that means? Like that's very subjective as far as what huge means. Is that yeah? A two million dollar pay cut. Well, he, Is that he a ten said, million dollar pay cut? He said in a uh of course Titans Rossi did say what he meant by huge. If you uh define huge, four to six million, I would say. Which four is four to six not, million off of the fourteen million. I, I would assume because then I, it's hard to say because we don't mm -hmm. I there's no there's no follow-up. And this is why I write free agency one oh one through three oh one is because there is no, no one knows how to fucking define anything in on Twitter when it comes to salary cap. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're talking about, a, is it, I, it looks like if I had to take it 
Because the guy says, is that dropping to say four to five million a year? I would say that would mean four to six million a year. Which then, why wouldn't you just say your four to five is right? I mean, like, do you really need that six million? So that's an assumption, but it could just be that maybe they're just going to take four to six million off the the contract. We don't know, but either or, either or, don't you think that is about regardless? Four to five million is probably really what he's worth. It's really hard to say what he's worth because, like, people are teams are desperate. For left tackles, desperate. Like all, almost all the teams in the league, to some degree, need a left tackle. Uh, with the exception of like maybe like ten. There's like ten teams that are like, hey, we're set at left tackle. Uh, pretty much everyone else needs one or could use an upgrade or whatever. Um, so I think there's a big market out there for him, and he's still good. Like when he's healthy, he's still good. That's the thing with Lawan that is tough because like, is he still a Pro Bowl level left tackle? you know i don't know maybe um but he's good like he's definitely above average he's definitely like top 10 to 12 in the league um at left tackle when when he's healthy but is he going to be healthy that's the whole question and so look if you told me you could have him back for 10 million dollars i'd have to think long and hard about it at least because Look, we know what a bad left tackle situation looks like, and it is crippling for your offense. And the Titans' offensive line, as we've mentioned a million times on here, they need so much. They need so many pieces. We don't know, like, if anybody's going to be back, basically, but except for Nicholas Petit Frere. Um, and so it's like, if you could guarantee me, I've got a good left tackle at least until yeah he falls apart. At least until three week again. three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing. That is the other thing. If you take Luan, or if you take Luan back, you still have to go draft a left tackle. Like you, you can't just say, "Okay, well, we got Luan." Well, that's good. the next question I have, or my next question to you is going to be: Doesn't this tell you that even it, it doesn't matter, right? Like if Luan's here, Luan's here. If he's not here, it's not here. It does not change the philosophy of this team that they need a left tackle of the future. And at this point, you can't trust Luan. It's like trusting, and we'll get into this later, but it's like trusting Bud Dupree, whether you kept him or you don't keep him. You're still going to have to draft and uh, draft and probably, I guess, sign another Jamarco Jones, Kendall Lamb piece of crap or rely on Dylan Radins and let him be that that bad player. Like, there's, it's it's a mess at left tackle, and it's because they put too much emphasis on what Taylor Lewan can be and do for the last two years. They have not planned. John Robinson has not planned properly for Taylor Lewan's eventual, I guess, disappearance or retirement or whatever it may be. I mean, you should have known when the podcast started and it started going off and they signed with Barstool Sports. Hey, he may not be an injured per- person. He can't bank on injury, but d- damn. I better sure plan for this guy to retire because he's making a lot of money not having to put his body on the line. Well, that and like, I mean, this free agent class too is terrible for left tackle. And I know like Orlando Brown is technically out there. Orlando Brown's probably going back to the Chiefs. He's way too damn expensive people. He's going to be way too expensive. He wanted to be the highest paid in terms of guaranteed money left tackle last year. And now he's won another Super Bowl, and he'll probably be franchise tagged. And then, yeah. 
whatever happens, whatever happens, he's probably happy just playing on the franchise tag. That's going to be $19.9 million. He's not a real option here. And then a lot of people like a lot of people put an awful lot of faith in Andre Dillard for a guy who we've never really seen play well for any extended period of time before. Uh, and got you know passed up by Jordan Mailata on on the depth chart in Philly. So, I, like Andre Dillard, maybe like maybe you sign him and he's really good. You maybe, but we don't know that. <laughs> we don't know that at all. Uh, there's every chance that he sucks, and that's why he hasn't been playing in the in Philly. So I I just think this left tackle market is trash. If they could get Luan back cheap, then great. Um, and I don't know what cheap is. I really don't like. I feel like at eight million dollars a year, I'd probably have to to bring him back, and and maybe you could get like, you know, maybe it has he to does be a very like heavily incentive six. based, right? Like, yeah, plus like a you know whatever you want to say, like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar per game active, yeah, you know, incentive that would not be would not count towards the cap until you would get to roll it over in next year's cap because of how those incentives work, but um. Yeah, Which is the better way to do it, because it. essentially, it if you sense. want Taylor Lewan back, he's going to have to be available, and he needs to be paid w- with the cap hit in mind that he's not available, but with his bank in mind that, hey, I will be available for you guys because I need all these in, uh, per-game roster bonuses. Per-game yeah. roster bonuses and a small base salary is the way to go and construct his contract if you want to bring him back. It just we don't know what his limit is. It, it like you said, I I would pose out put out there like four point two or four point five base salary, which is obviously guaranteed, and then let him get fifty to hundred thousand dollars per game active bonus. And if you get the and then if y'all get the Super Bowl and he starts in the super or get into the playoffs and he starts to playoff, maybe there's another kicker for him, or maybe it's a percentage of snaps played instead of per game roster bonus that kicks in but either way those numbers however you do those incentives like you said because he only played two games last year would not be not would be not likely to be earned incentives which means that they do not count towards the cap of 2023 and they only count towards the cap of 2024 if he hits them so it's almost like you're adding on a little bit of dead money which next year is the time to push all your dead money too, to be honest right. with you. So yeah, you got plenty of cap room. Next that year. would be the thing. I, I think that if you're talking about a $10 million deal that includes like a roster bonus where if he's on the roster at like week one, you know, then give me a break. I think that's way too much, but I, I think there's yeah. a way you could construct it to where you come back. It's just, does he want to? And if he does come back and if he does take this cheap thing, Draft a left tackle. <laughs> like yes. I cannot stress enough how important it is for this team to draft a left tackle high in the draft. And I'm talking rounds one through three. Draft draft a left tackle of the future in this draft. They have to, it is like the must-have item from this 2023 draft is the left tackle of the future. Do you do you think do you agree? Like if you're putting an order of importance heading into the draft that is it because even if they get andre yeah. dillard or someone that is like is like Jawan taylor i guess is out there or even yeah. if you put you sign mike mcglinchy and do this crazy thing where you put mpf over in the left on the left side of the line like morons would or want McGlinchey to do yeah something like that i mean don't you think you still have to draft the left tackle of the future 
Yeah, I think they've got to get a left tackle of the future. Like, and, and to me, the first round is going to be the place to do it because I, I don't know. I just – I feel like your hit rate – left tackle is one of those positions. There, It's left tackle. It's edge rusher, uh, quarterback. Um, and I think corner uh, to some degree. Um, but really, left tackle, edge rusher, quarterback. Those are the spots where, like, you have to get them in the first round because – your hit rate is way higher at those spots in the first round than it is in rounds two through seven plus, you know, undrafted. So the odds of, of some guy being like the Jordan Mylotta story, very, very rare. Like that just does not happen very often um, where you get a sixth or seventh round pick who, you know, Oh, well, you know, we, we turned him into this star left tackle. Like that just, hardly ever happens it, it it happens in other positions more frequently but not left tackle um because there's just only so many humans on the planet with the movement skills size strength everything else that is required to be an elite left tackle right and i, I we think know it was like who those guys are you know i think like 15 of the starting 32 left tackles in the league are in the first round 17 are yeah. from the other rounds and let yeah. me these are the, the left tackles with the most snaps in 2022 which means that includes Dennis Daly, who was drafted in the fifth round. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> so, so let's keep that in mind. Of the, you can find good, good left tackles in the second and third, but I believe that is your, that is like your extreme latest. You need to go is third round, especially in this draft. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think, yeah, if you want him, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Scrant, or uh, what's it? What? How do you pronounce his name? His name? Uh, Peter uh, Skaronsky. For Skaronsky. Skaronsky. Uh, I, and I'm I'm not a big Skaronsky guy. I just he's think, not a left tackle. He, yeah, he, he just can't so. convince me that he's gonna be a left. He's gonna be a fantastic I guard. Great guard, yeah. Great guard. Do not draft a guard in the first round. I cannot just yeah. I just can't. Just I'm can't do it. Not at number eleven. I mean, if you no. want to trade down Back like twenty six, yeah. yeah, I'm fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Mike, you're in a bad place. And <laughs> I I am I I am I'm sick of it. You are in like, you know, Aaron Rodgers went to his dark place uh, to for a sense of calm and relaxation and cl- to find himself clarity. You are in a worse spot with this team that I've ever seen you be in as for as long as we've known each other. And for yeah. as long as we've done this podcast, you are in a horrible, horrible emotional spot. And I we're going to talk about we're going to talk it out. And I'm going to use your exact words on a lot of stuff because I've been writing them down. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Yeah, because I think people need to know. First off, I think people can find it relatable that you, of all people, are in a dark spot, which may maybe you guys get in this big circle jerk down in the the abyss with each other and just get in this echo chamber in your cave and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's good for people to know that you are not because you you are often accused by me as being a company man. I know. The the tides have turned. Yeah, and I, this is very much like the stint after the Jets where you and Lebowski just went to this deep, dark hole, and I said, guys, it's going to get better. I swear to God, don't worry about it. And here I am again. I'm here to tell you, I'm bringing you back in the light. It's going to get better. But you went on record and said today, this team is going to suck ass. (laughs) That is what you said. (laughs) And this all stemmed from a conversation of all people about Bud Dupree. Okay, so 
So uh, let's let's break this down into what we've talked about these last few days, and I, and we'll get to the quarterback market. And I, I thought you said you had a really good conversation starter about Caleb Williams that I want to get into, but it all started when he, we we you've been like this for a while, but it's really bad because you you said the other day that there are only two to three NFL average players on offense on the Titans' offense. This did not. This two or three was Ryan Tannehill, Ben, jo- uh, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and Ben Jones. If he doesn't retire, now this doesn't even include Taylor Lewan. But I'm, I'm assuming Lewan's gone. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I know, I know. But and I didn't include Taylor Lewan in when I came back with. And then you went back, changed your words, and clarified that Chiga Conquo, Conquo, and Traylon Burks are not number one wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos or wide yeah, receiver, I'm or saying tight end ones above I, average for the role that they're asked being asked to play currently on the yeah. roster. You didn't say that initially. So I'm letting you say that now, but even though I do feel this is a very much a, a, one of those things where you sent out a tweet or sent out a message or sent out a tweet. They're like, Oh, this did not play well. Like I thought it would. And then you're kind of backtracking and declare if you just said it's, it right the first time. It's not backtracking. It's, it's clarifying. It's clarifying. Okay. Okay. Easton. Um, all right. I I feel that that is a correct way to look at it. However, I do think that there are there's a lot of NFL average pieces and my my initial instinct was it's Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Traylon Burks, Chica Conquo. Taylor one comes back, I think I could put him as average. If Ben Jones only retires, I could put him as average and if NPF progresses, he could be average. I'm, now, yeah, but I'm I'm saying without a lot right. of projection, right? right. Like, without I'm, projection, I'm just saying, like what, who we know is proven, right. right now. And and so, do you? And we've talked about this on this thing, and we we on this podcast, and you've said it on Twitter. This team will add pieces in the offseason. but as yeah. it sits right now, I agree. But it seems like you are very like this team is not going. This team sucks ass. You said it. This team sucks ass is not going anywhere on offense. They're not going to do the, enough the on roster, offense. To, the roster to, is in terrible shape. Isn't like, it if, worse shape than last year? It's in worse shape than last year right now. Yes. But will it be? Do you think in your heart of hearts will it be as worse as be worse than last year? I mean, I think it could be. I, oh. I don't know. I mean, because look. You were supposed to be back in the light when Rand Carthon got hired. I don't know what happened to you. Come back. Well, I, I, I'm I'm excited about Rand Carthon and and his potential to rebuild this franchise in the way that he wants to build it. My issue is that I think he, they are very likely going to take a step back before they take a step forward, and that's not Rand Carthon's fault. It is because J. Ron left this roster in a like flaming dumpster fire. It, it is bad. Like, if you look at, let's go through the list. Like, quarterback, Tannehill, you know, okay, if they keep him, but we don't even know if they're going to do that. We'll see. Running back, Derrick Henry's great, but he's 30 years old. He's he's on the downslope of his career, certainly. Who knows how many, you know, productive seasons he's going to have left. Uh, wide receiver, you got maybe one guy. Like, maybe one guy that you're excited about in Traylon Burks, and that is if, he can stay healthy if he comes in in shape this year, if he develops the way that they're hoping he will. Um, Chig Conquo is kind of the same boat with it, maybe a few less ifs. I feel pretty good about Chig, although he's a 
relatively limited player. Like he is, he needs to you be like. You are putting limitations on him. You I, well, I think he's on him. He's a specific type of player. Like he is not a uh, Gronk or a uh, George Kittle or like one of those types of tight ends that can be on the field every single play and can be like that guy. Like maybe he turns into that guy eventually, but he's not there right now. And then the offensive line is nobody. There's nobody there that you're happy about, um, assuming that Ben Jones and Taylor Lewan are back. So I, I just don't know. Like they're twenty million dollars over the salary cap right now. I know they can save space. They'll get. They'll create some room. They, you know, if there's you know all that, the. Don't say it. Don't say it. Well, you know that they're going to not be at twenty million dollars. It's worth over the saying. Cap. It's worth saying. Here's the reason. Because if you look at the other teams that are in the league. They can create salary cap space too, but they have more of it right now than the Titans do. All but like, hey, three not, or four not teams. your franchise of the year, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. You love, you love talking well, about got them good and players. So they, they at least they're going to have to lose some roster. of their good players. Well, they they're gonna they're gonna be in better shape than the Titans roster is heading into the offseason. That when they have to go up against like, better teams. That's fine, uh, but I just think the Titans. If you compare them to the rest of the league in just about every category, like cap space available, who they have on their current roster, they're in a really bad place right now. They are like in, you know, Vegas odds are what they are, but like there's a reason the Titans are like fifth or sixth from the bottom as far as like Super Bowl odds right now. Because they deserve to be there. They they are not anywhere close to a Super Bowl team right now. Um, they aren't even, to me, they're not even a playoff team right now. Like this is not a playoff team. They have a long way to go to but get this to playoff. This team was attention. just a playoff team like three weeks ago with Josh Dobbs as its quarterback. They were in playoff contention. They were coasting off of a seven and three start that it like was way, way, way in the rearview mirror. But they were the still tied in tight games though. So like I look at it this way with a whore. I think that last year's roster was pretty piss poor that you didn't really get anything from any of your free agents. It was a pretty bad draft class i mean i don't want to say bad because there was a lot of hope in the draft class but the draft class started out really hot and then they didn't live up to expectations then you still got the issues of like 2020 to 2021 just like coming back to haunt you in every every which way they trade off aj brown and this team despite listen i told you week two that this team should not is not going to make the playoffs right i mean like i've been pounding this table while you said, oh, no, this is a good team. They beat the Raiders, and the Raiders are going to be, at the end of the year, going to be better than what everybody thinks they are. Wrong. I told you that this team is not a good playoff. And now I'm here to tell you, Mike, I'm going to be, I'm going three for three. I told you all after the Jets game. I told you all after the Giants game. I'm going to tell you now. This team will be better than last year because of a bunch of different reasons. I think the roster will be better. I mean, you can't not you. I, I cannot fathom an offensive line worse than Dennis Daly, Aaron Brewer on the left side. If you you're those two are so I mean, such easy upgrades. They'll be better on the left side, but are they going to be any better on the right side? Or like, I mean, if Ben Jones isn't back, they're going to be worse at center. If if Nate Davis isn't back, they're going to be worse at right guard. Um, that depends on what they do. Obviously, I think I think the chances Nate Davis wasn't options. that great. I mean, like was, you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to fix it in 
you're not gonna be able to fix it solely in free agency, right? Like I'm taking into account that I think that there's ways of free agency and ways in the draft that you can mix and match your offensive you can, line. You have to, because you just you're don't have, have that many resources available. Right. I mean, right. There are mean, so, and that's my, and that's my biggest point, I guess, is like, there are so many holes to plug. Like they need four starters on the offensive line. They need a wide receiver for sure. That is an instant starter. And what uh, I think they, they probably need, need a second wide receiver that can be in the top four mix. Um, they need a tight end that can be an instant starter. Uh, I mean, that's seven. They, they need a pieces. tight end that can block, right? I mean, it's not like an instant starter. Well, it's but, like, but but the guy that can block is the guy that's going to be on the field on first and second downs. I mean, he's going to be a big part of the offense. Like Jeff Swaim played a huge role in this offense against everyone's wishes. But you just need someone it. better than Jeff Swaim. Yeah, you need someone better than Jeff Swaim. But I mean, they also had Austin Hooper, which. Are you going to bring yeah. back Austin Hooper because he's going to cost money? Um, and he was valuable to them. Like he did, he did provide some value for them. So they have so many holes to plug, and there is only so many resources to go around. Like they can like just throw all the money into twenty twenty four if they want, and still only create like probably like thirty to forty million dollars of cap space, um, which it goes a long way. It does. Like you can you can plug some holes with that kind of money. But there's just so many holes. And then, like, you flip over to the defense, and like we were talking about with the whole Bud Dupree thing. Oh, my gosh. I, I cannot believe. Listen, I I I sent a text message to Greenlaw and, and Graver, and I said, uh, let, me, let me get the exact wording real quick. I said to them, Mike is completely off his rocker. <laughs> this, is, this is about the Bud Dupree thing. And, um... I've, I've just never seen you so depressed over the state of the franchise, but also the possibility of losing a guy who we both kind of admit not, that is not that good. I'm not upset about the idea of losing Bud Dupree. I, I think I think my point was not that they absolutely have to keep Bud Dupree. It was that like I'm not sure it's that much of a like done deal or like a for sure thing that they're going to release him because. If you don't have Bud Dupree, now you have Harold Landry coming off of an ACL. We've seen what that looks like for guys like this, and it's yeah, not Bud always Dupree. good. Um, and then you have 33-year-old Danico Autry, who's really kind of playing out of position on the edge anyways. Um, and Rashad Weaver, who had like four sacks in the first, what, three games, and then one and a half the rest of the year. And look, I know you can go get it like words back and – Go get Demarcus Walker back. These are all Jags. Like Demarcus Walker's better than a Jag. Demarcus Walker is a pretty good player, but you're gonna have to pay him now. Like you paid him almost nothing last year. You have to pay, pay him like him four or five million dollars. Yeah, I mean, but hey, that's four or five million dollars you can't spend somewhere else, and you've got all these holes on offense. So I just I think there's so many so many question marks because if this pass rush isn't good. You've got more problems because that was the only thing that you could rely on for like a big chunk of the season. And I get that Dupree like wasn't necessarily a, like he, Dupree's contract is fucking awful. Like, let's get that, that out of the way. It is awful. It was bad the day he signed it because he was coming off of an ACL and they still gave him money like he was completely healthy. Um, and they paid him more than I think uh, the Ravens uh, paid or no, the Patriots paid for Judon, who's been amazing for them. Um, but Dupree's contract is terrible, but it's not like he's 
a negative when he's on the field. And I get it. Like he has to be on the field more. And that's there's, the there's problem. There's been some times when he is on the field that he's not a, he's a neutral. He's not a positive he's, or he's not he's, a negative. He's, he's at worst a neutral player on the field. He's not a huge impact player in my opinion. Like he's and, and I've said this the whole time about Bud Dupree. He is not your traditional like elite edge rusher. Like he is, he does not win at a super high rate off the edge. Like what he does do, and we've talked about this. We talked about this when we've both been higher on Bud Dupree was that he helps the pass rush because he helps crush the pocket and he's really good at getting a push and at least moving the line of scrimmage even if he's not winning and getting free himself so like he helps influence the pass rush as a whole and i still think that's true um now how valuable that is whether that's more or less valuable than the nine and a half million dollars you would save by cutting him i don't know i, I think there's well, probably a very strong argument contract? that it's not worth more but yeah you could yeah you could restructure him which and saves you, I think, restructures. I know there's a restructuring extension are one's yeah. 10 million, one's 11 million, up to like right. you get a guaranteed 9 million with, you know, the way that if you just cut them. And par part of the reason I think that might be on the table is that part of his salary this year is guaranteed. So, like, was it like a three or a million to three million? I think it was like three or four million um, of his salary this year is guaranteed. So, you know, if you wanted to keep him, you could and restructure 1.25 without changing really the amount of like dead cap hit you're going to end up like hitting that much. Um, so I don't know. I, I just think it's not necessarily a slam dunk, but like, look, if you cut him, you get the $9.5 million. You can use that to sign a new edge rusher. And I think there's some guys that, you know, could be interesting, like Arden Key, like uh, Ogbania, uh, Okoronkwo. Um, uh, who was the other one? Uh, Samson Ebucom from uh, the Niners. There's some guys out there that like I find are interesting as free agency investments, but there's not like I just I, I don't know that you're gonna get a whole lot better than Bud Dupree. Um, and now maybe you're you're you know like well we can pay that guy five or six million and then spread the other you know two or three millions in savings to some other guy that you have to sign, but you know. There's just so many holes. Like, if you look at like David Long has to be re-signed or replaced because you don't have a replacement for him on the roster. Um, you know, are you happy with the corners if you know everybody's healthy? Maybe. Um, can that, you count on everyone to be healthy? No. In my opinion, you have to solve it under the draft. That's yeah. that's I mean, not one I would attack in free agency. The cornerback position. That's still just such a young corner room. And I, I it was young last year, too, um, which I don't know if they care or not. But I just feel like Christian Fulton being the veteran of that group is a, a bit of a problem in its own right. Um, so I don't I don't know. I, I just I guess getting back to the, my overall point about like the state of the roster and the state of the team. It's going to suck so, ass. There's it's, it's so many <laughs> holes. There's so many holes on this roster. And I think Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach. I think this coaching staff is actually pretty good. Like regardless of what I feel about Tim Kelly as the offensive coordinator and whether they should have gone and gotten somebody else or could have gone and gotten somebody else or whatever. I think there's a pretty good coaching staff top to bottom. I well, like don't Rand you think Carthon. that mitigates a lot of it though? Because that, that's my other point is that Mike Vrabel, if listen, it doesn't have to be two or three be levels better. It just needs to be 
for the Tennessee Titans to show improvement from last year to this year, it just has to be better than Jeff Swain. Like, it just has to be better than Dennis Daly. And I know that is like oversimplifying the situation and really lowering the bar of what it takes to be successful. But it's because I feel like Mike Vrabel and this coaching staff outside of Tim Kelly has a track record to be able to elevate talent above it. I'm not going to include Tim Kelly in that because I got to see it to believe it. Um, I will not change my stance on that. Just because I think the coaching staff as a whole is good doesn't mean that Mike Vrabel was an insular in his process and doesn't mean that Tim Kelly is all of a sudden good hire. I just think the sum of the parts is better than this whatever i always mess that up but either way it's i think the staff as a whole is much better than last year and i think that that can improve that can carry a lot of weight if if keith carter truly was a problem in developing the offensive line and he was the reason why the offensive line was screwed up as as well as john robinson then he's gone okay then you see you get you know coach haas he's there to essentially let everybody know that hey I I I know what not to do. I can I can take it from here. And then you got Anthony Midget out of there because he just couldn't teach technique, and these guys could not take what he was coaching and putting it on the field. Now you have one of the best teachers for defensive backs, Chris Harris. There, it just feels like it feels like the coach can make up a lot of ground for the talent. We've seen Mike Vrabel be able to do that, and now you don't have Todd Downing. Like. Isn't that just change everything for this team? And 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 for me, that just changes everything for this team. There's like a weight lifted off the shoulder. There's no Todd Downing. It's it's Mike Frabel. It's this massive, sprawling offensive coaching staff that he's assembled. And now Chris Harris makes up for a lot of the problems of last year. You still got to attack it, but I feel like there's a way. There is a way to build this offensive line to where. It's not the thirty-second worst uh, pass defense or pass blocking offensive line. If it just is like the defense, if it just gets to like twenty-one, that's good enough for this team uh, for for next year to compete. I don't. I mean, when, when I say compete, I mean content. Be playoff. Uh, be a playoff caliber team, which doesn't take ugh. much when you're in the AFC South. Okay. I, don't, I do not I don't think twenty-first is good enough. I really don't. I don't think the twenty first ranked offense enough in the last year enough to compete. It would have been good enough last year. I mean, maybe so. I, I just you, you but probably I, don't have Lawan get injured. You don't have Dennis Daly I mean, out there. I mean, you buy your guys some time. But, they were in so many games that were so close, though. With a worse, a, a, theoretically, it should be a better roster. Now I know that has to go into action. I know but, I know I'm projecting a lot, but I feel and, like it just has to be just slightly better. And and we're also comparing the the theoretical new roster to the injured Titans roster of last year, which there are going to be injuries next year. Like now, there may not be like the injury Armageddon that we've seen the last two years. Like God, I hope not. Surely they have figured out like or or just luck will break the other way and people won't tear their knees or whatever. But it is there are going to be injuries and there are going to be injuries probably to some key players. So who that is, how long that is, all that stuff. Like it's easy to say, all right, well, they just got to be better than Dennis Daly and, you know, whoever, you know, Jordan Roos or whatever. But those guys were depth and they played and there will be depth players playing. And so not only did they have to get the starters better, 
they have to get the depth better too. Like the depth is not there at any position on this entire roster. There is not depth at any position that you feel good about, like not a single one. Uh, and that is a major, major problem. And I don't think that can be fixed in one off season. So if they are going to compete uh, next year, I think it is going to have to be because they upgrade at some key spots significantly. They hit on most of their signings and draft picks. And then they get lucky that the injuries don't fall in spots where they don't have depth because they are not going to have depth on this team next year. They just aren't like this team. This roster is bad. It is a bad roster. Um, and it got bad fast. Like it, I feel like uh, just what, two years ago we were talking about, you know, look, this is one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. You know, they had Julio Jones and AJ Brown and like, you know, this offensive line that was good and all this stuff. And it just, it's all gone. It's all gone. Two years later, it's all gone. Um, and it feels like, it kind of feels like we're a blank slate at this point, uh, you know, from a offensive standpoint, for sure, uh, even from a defensive standpoint at certain spots. But that is kind of one of the things, though, that does make me interested in this offseason is that, like, we're going to know what Rand Carthon values and, and how he looks at this thing because. But it doesn't matter because this team's going to suck ass. Well, this they, team I is think going to gonna, suck ass. I think they're going to be bad this year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, I think they'll be below 500 this year. Um, Ooh, but I think this is a two-year So silly. I cannot wait build. for you th- this one to be wrong. I, well, I mean, we'll see. I've been wrong before. I might be wrong again. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I, shit, that'd be good. I'd, I'd hate to have to watch another shitty Titans team because Lord knows I've watched enough of them in my lifetime. But uh, I just I, – I, I look at the roster and I'm like, what's there to be excited about? I don't, I don't see it. What's right. the strength of this team? Okay. I, I mean, if you're asking me what the strength of this team is, it's the coaching staff. And I think that's that's enough. I think the coaching staff and the defensive line are some of the bigger ones. And I, th- I think the the quarterback situation, that's really what I kind of want to dive into is this the quarterback market is right now. This quarterback market is really taking a turn to where it benefits the Tennessee Titans. And I know nobody wants to hear it, but. You got Daniel Jones wanting like north of $45 million a year. Uh, Lamar Jackson wanting $208 million plus fully guaranteed in his contract. Uh, Kyler Murray's getting overpaid and has hamstrung the Arizona Cardinals. You just look at it like people think that Geno Smith's going to get north of $30 million a year. People think that Jimmy G is going to get like the same or and that Derek Carr is going to get 50 million dollars guaranteed and probably way above that like this is an insane quarterback market so I will I know we have shat on John Robinson's job for these last few years and I know that Ryan Tannehill has amounted to nothing as far as it did not get you a Super Bowl but that contract was a pretty damn good contract, even with the Julio Jones restructuring. Because if you're looking at it right now, first off, if I'm any team, I am wanting Ryan Tannehill's contract instead of any of the guys that I just named. And oh, if I absolutely. and if I'm the Titans, I'm feeling pretty good about okay. Well, even if we extend him, 
that's still going to be better than everybody, what everybody else is paying. And it doesn't prevent you from getting a quarterback, a young quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and look, if, if they didn't win a Super Bowl is the metric by which we judge quarterbacks. I mean, Josh Allen's been a failure. Joe Burrow's <laughs> been a failure. I mean, like all these, all these guys are failures besides Patrick Mahomes and like a few others. Um, so, you know, Look, Tannehill is what he is. I don't think he's the guy that puts you like over the top. I don't think he's the guy that carries the roster. Um, but yeah, I think he's better than a lot of these quarterbacks. I think he's still a pretty good quarterback. And the value, in, and we've been saying this since the day they signed that deal. It's a great value deal. I, I think at the time, the day he signed it, we it told was like everybody the ninth or tenth uh, biggest AAB. And we told everybody it would just keep going down and it would keep falling. And I think now it's somewhere around like 16th uh among quarterbacks and look he's better than the 16th best quarterback in the nfl like now i don't think he's top 10 necessarily but he's better than than you know most he's, of these, it's appropriate uh, quarterback value to contract yes and it spare is me this 36 value. million dollar cap hit like that's because of julio jones not ron yes. Tannehill's fault it's exactly. john robinson's fault for going after julio jones drives me insane when people bring that up because it's like well yeah he only had a cap million a cap hit of nine million dollars in 2020 uh was it 2021 um so you know if we want to look at it that way then he was hot low you know wildly underpaid that year um but it's uh yeah that's the most ridiculous argument but i do think the quarterback market Plays to their favor because look, Tannehill's contract is a value. The team trading for him would only be on the hook for twenty-seven million dollars, non-guaranteed. Um, and they could restructure that if they wanted to. They could extend that. They could like lower that cap hit. I mean, you could really do some things with Tannehill's contract. And the contract. Titans could too, and not yeah. be in a position where they're stuck with him for like six years. Like it, I would love for yeah, them to trade. Could be. Let, I want to. I want to say very clear. I would love for the Titans to trade him and get a lot of value because not only do I think that's what's best for the team is just get away from Ryan Tannehill and cut cut loose, but you get draft picks back. And like we said last week, we get proven right. So it's just, it just is like good stuff on top of good stuff. It's like a, it's like a good news Sunday. If that Ryan Tannehill gets uh, traded tweet, uh, tweet hits. And I, I will say this. I don't know where I stand on whether they're going to do it or not. I know there's a lot of people with conviction that Ryan Tannehill, for sure, no matter what, is going to be the quarterback in 2023 for the Tennessee Titans. And I was one of those guys. But there is an opportunity here for a lot of teams, that, and teams we haven't even ever talked about, the, re, the, the commanders. And, and I know that they say, oh, well, Sam Howell's our quarterback. Hey, guess what? Bruce Arians said the same thing at the combine about Jameis Winston. They weren't interested in Tom Brady, and look what happened. And then there's the Panthers. Frank Reich and Mike Vrabel, they have a good off-the-field relationship as well from the time they've hung out. You're trying to tell me that Ryan Tannehill's not the kind of guy that the Panthers could attach and put over there and avoid having to spend a high draft pick on a quarterback instead build around it? The Panthers would immediately be the favorites to win that division. Somebody right. in that division is going to be able to win the division easily if they traded for Ryan Tannehill or uh, you know yep. or, or got Derek Carr. You know. The Buccaneers are another team that could trade for him. I mean, even you know those are just the NFC teams. The Seahawks could do it too if you don't hit negotiations with Geno Smith where you want him. Isn't it a lot better just to trade for Ryan Tannehill and that is a that is way cheaper than what Geno Smith is probably asking for. Like th those are the just the NFC teams 
And then there's the AFC teams, but those NFC teams don't get talked about it enough. You know, Panthers, Tampa Bay, uh, the Commanders, the Seahawks. I'm sure I may be even missing a few, but those teams don't get talked enough about in this sweepstakes. It's just, oh, it's the Jets or it's, you know, maybe it's the Raiders, but if it's not the Jets, nobody's going to take them. The Jets are the only ones who have publicly come out and basically said, we're going to trade for, or we're going to go get a veteran quarterback this offseason. So I think that's why they get a lot of the, in their New York and all that. Yeah. um, Yeah, there are, there's a ton of landing spots and. Look, I think if the Titans are being honest about or honest with themselves and saying what 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 is the direction that the franchise is going? Because like like I've said all along, I just I don't think this is gonna be a good team in 2023. I, I think the you know, if you bring everybody back and you hit on a bunch of stuff, you know, maybe you could compete for the division, but you're not going to the Super Bowl next year um with this this team the way it is. It would it would be the miracle of miracles for this team to get to the Super Bowl given the state of the current roster, the assets they have available. And and I mean, Rand Carthon should win the next 10 GMs of the year uh, awards if they won the Super Bowl in his first year somehow. So if they're being honest with themselves, isn't the best thing that they could do if Tannehill does have a market? Because he'll be a free I swear agent. to God, if you bring up Teddy Bridgewater, I'm cutting this feed off. I swear no, and, to God. and let me defend myself <laughs> because I heard you on a football show saying that I'm obsessed with Teddy Bridgewater. You are so I'm not obsessed. obsessed with Teddy Bridgewater. You reason, bring him up all the fucking time. The only reason I use his name is because, one, I, when I think of bridge quarterback, how can I not think of Bridgewater? Like, it's, it just pops it into my brain immediately. Uh, but I don't know if you've gone to stackingtheinbox.com, but I, I called out and I said, do you know what all has happened in our lives since 2015, the last time that Teddy Bridgewater started a full 16 games? A lot. A lot has happened. I said, I've moved twice. I got a dog and yeah. uh, I got married yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've started I've businesses. <laughs> yeah, I've started business. Yeah. So, like, you, that's how long ago the Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater should never be on Look, anybody's mind. I, do, I don't think, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is like the guy that I would want. I just use him as an example, like a placeholder of like, you can get a guy like Jacoby Brissett. Or like, you know, I, I think Baker Mayfield is kind of, you know, I, he would be stinks. gross. Come on. He's he would stinks. be gross, but like. He's not I think good, for the, kind of, he's like not good for the culture or anything, though. Well, I know. I know. That's why I don't bring up. Uh, you might as well. Bruce, I'd or, rather you bring up Sam Darnold than Baker Mayfield. Oh, well, yeah. That's Darnold a, would be another one. Darnold okay. would be a guy I feel like you could go get. Plug him in like he's better than Malik Willis. Like, hey, can you're I not say gonna, something, though, about Sam Darnold? You know the Tennessee Titans would win the division with Sam Darnold as their quarterback. Oh, Mike Vrabel could do that. it. I'm telling you right now. I I, I just can't bet against Mike Vrabel. Uh, I just I I like Mike Vrabel too. I just don't think he's a miracle worker, which is what I think it would take to to win the division with this. He could do it with Zach Wilson, but I think he could do it with Sam Darnold, former Jets hey, quarterback. Oh yeah, nobody's doing anything with Zach Wilson. But like I think. I think if you traded Tannehill and you could get a couple picks for him, or even just a third, like if you could trade him for a third, like that's we need great. two picks You'll, minimum for us to be right, though. So you get, let, let's you get, put it there. <laughs> I mean, you get, but you get rid of the contract. You get some uh, an additional draft pick, and you set yourself up to not only kind of reset your cap and get you know a few more pieces on board, but you also set yourself up to be bad and be a part of the Caleb Williams and uh, Drake may and, you know, and, you know, Quinn Ewers, uh, you know, 
sweepstakes, whoever's whoever becomes QB one, I, I think it'll be Caleb Williams. But um, you set yourself up to be in a position to draft a quarterback next year. So I don't know. I, I think it would be a good situation for them uh, if they wanted to, or hell, if they wanted to, you know, go get their guy this year and, and try it. I mean, you could. So you know. There's nothing saying you couldn't take a quarterback this year and then pull a Cardinals and take a quarterback next year if you suck and you figure you figure out you hate them, you know? Yeah, well that 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 though typically requires a change in coach. So let's talk about this, Caleb Williams, because you said that there's gonna there's like I, I guess Wes brought it up that trading up for first or trading up or something about Caleb Williams. I don't know what it was. Either way, yeah. you had said that there's like so many teams that are gonna want Caleb Williams, it's gonna be almost impossible to trade up. In this really sense, talking about tanking. And you look at it, and there's about 16 teams with, I would say, less than settled quarterback situations. Three or four of those teams are going to settle their quarterback situation in the draft, right? Because more than likely, they are newer head coaches or brand new head coaches and probably are not going to get fired. Yeah. At, at and, least two, probably three yeah. or four. Yeah. yeah. So then you have the free agency people, the people that are going to sign Carr and Jimmy G, maybe not Jimmy G, let's say Derek Carr. Uh, they're going to invest in, you know, Lamar Jackson, invest in Daniel Jones. That takes some pieces away. Depending on how these contracts roll and all that, you've invested resources. So really, you're talking about three, let's say three teams off there. So that 16 goes down to 10. And then you got the free agent market next year, which is going to take some maybe like two away. So now you're down to eight teams that probably are viably there for Caleb Williams, Drake May, and whoever else may come out next year. But no, but theoretically, if you're taking free agents from next year and moving them from one team to another, then you're opening up a couple more. Well, you know, depends. Well, like what if the Titans drafted a quarterback but kept um, Ryan Tannehill? You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's why possible, I kept but... the no, that's why I kept the number low to like two. Like I didn't, yeah. you know, uh, go crazy or anything. So let's say eight to ten teams are going to be wanting or vying for Caleb Williams. So I ask you, not because we're not going to talk about retooling versus rebuild, because this team mindset is retooling, wasting your time on a rebuild and tanking and all this kind of stuff is just you're wasting emotional energy. You don't need to waste. Yeah, I don't think they would tank. Yeah. So. Is it better in your head? Because this is from the 33rd team who I thought, and they, you know, when they do their mock drafts, they have like three, a former scout, a former GM, and a former coach, I think, get together and they do their mock drafts this way. And they talk. Here is a trade scenario that I thought was really good. And I'm not a big fan of the quarterback that they took, but I thought that the value was there that this trade makes sense. You trade up with Detroit, at, who is at the number six spot, and you trade them your first-round pick this year and your second-round pick this year, and you get C.J. Stroud. I'd be in on that, yeah. Yeah, don't you think that's a – and that's a according to PFF mock draft machine, which isn't that great. And I have not gone and checked, like, the Spielberger numbers and all that kind of crap, yeah. the Jimmy Johnson trade chart. But you could almost possibly get like a third or a fourth back too. You could, you know, maybe get a fourth back in the trade as well. Trade two picks for two picks. Don't you think that is a um, a good value? And that kind of helps the team too? 
I mean, I'd be in on that. Yeah, I, I'd be in on trading up. I I don't think they can realistically get to one because I, I just feel like the package is going to be too much to give up um, for one of these quarterbacks. But um, I, I you have I would to be... trade Tannehill to get to that spot. Like, if you want the number one overall pick, you have to trade Tannehill, then use picks to get up there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be a good situation to be in if if they're. I mean, look, if they love CJ Stroud, like say the the Texans want. Bryce Young and the Colts want Will Levis, which I think is, I mean, a viable possibility. Then maybe Stroud is the third guy sitting there on the board, and I'd I'd be all about C.J. Stroud um, as as a potential quarterback for the future here. Um, I, I'd be all in on that. So, um, yeah, if there's somebody that is non Will Levis um, sitting there yes. among those Never top Levis. three quarterbacks, and and I mean like. I'd, I guess I would hesitate about trading up for Anthony Richardson just because I think the bus potential is too high with him uh, to to really like be worth trading up for. But if he was there at 11, I, I might consider it because I do think his ceiling is probably higher than anybody else in the draft class uh, from a quarterback standpoint. So I don't know. It, there's a lot of different ways they could go in the draft that I think are really interesting quarterback wise. Cause I mean, look, they've, I feel I feel like this is the truth though, and I'm interested to get your take on this because okay. if this is the way Rand Carthon views it, then it's kind of going to set the path moving forward. They have to find their next quarterback in the next two years, right? Like either mm-hmm. 2023 or 2024, they have to find their next quarterback. Assuming it's not like assuming there's not a Malik Willis miracle happening, which I, I think <laughs> none of us are expecting hey. at this point. He showed promise. Oh, let me say something about this because I did the Mike Herndon show after the Kansas City game. Yes. And Easton said that you sung praises. I, I, maybe I shouldn't put that much emphasis on what he said, but he said that yeah. you you thought he showed promise and improvement in the Kansas City game. When we talked on that show, you shat on Malik Willis the whole time. <laughs> and I was I was trying to, because I was trying to make sure, I was trying to keep it positive. So I just want to say that you have, since after, since that Kansas City game, you have never been a fan of Malik Willis. You want him to succeed, but you don't think it's ever going to happen, right? I mean, like... It's a long way. It's yeah, a, it's long a long way. Road. And like, that's, that's... I tried to hold on as long as I could. I said a lot of positive things in that show about uh, Malik Willis. I said a lot of things uh, positive about Malik Willis after his second start. But then when I saw Josh Dobbs, I came out and said, it ain't happening. <laughs> Like, it is that was pretty not re- damning. The yeah, Dobbs it, experience was pretty damning from league. I I hope to God it would be fantastic news. Um, what were you saying was a miracle earlier in the show? Oh, if they won the Super Bowl, if the Titans won the Super right. Bowl, it would be yeah. a miracle. It'd be the most miracle of all miracles, I believe, is what you said. Yeah. The second most miracle of all miracles, of Malik Willis suddenly turns into the guy. Like, right. yeah. like that, that is, I want him to, I hey, listen, not just, I hope guy, for a miracle. An elite guy. Yeah. I hope that I win the lottery. I, I hope every time I play the lottery, it's, it's very improbable. The chances are astronomical that I'm going to win the lottery. The, the, the chances of Malik Willis being anything other than a backup is astronomical, but hell I'm going to root for it. However, mm-hmm. Because I root for it does not mean that the Tennessee Titans should ignore the quarterback position, and I agree with you. The Tennessee Titans have to find their quarterback of the future some way, somehow, this year or next year. 
It's yeah. and and it cannot rely on Malik Willis being that guy. And and you and I are staunchly anti Levis. Yes. Um, I oh don't know God. where you're at exactly on Anthony Richardson. I, I, I feel like I, I'm higher on him. I like Anthony Richardson a lot because I've seen Kevin Johnson, who I thought left Twitter, then came back to Twitter, then I thought he left again. High pockets 84 or whatever he is. He's a Florida fan, and he says, I've watched enough Anthony Richardson. I know as a Florida fan that he's not going to be a good quarterback. So that lets me know that Anthony Richardson is going to be a good quarterback because I've never seen anybody be wrong and terrible about quarterbacks as much as high pockets because he's a Mariota stand. Just never forget. That's true. Um, but so so we're, let's say there's three. If, if you believe the other draft experts, four first round talent quarterbacks in this class. And I, I don't think any of the guys outside of four. I know, I know Tennessee fans have a hard on for Hendon Hooker. I, I like Hendon Hooker from a... He's probably a Dak Prescott ceiling kind. I of could guy. see, I could see him being Dak. Um, yeah. yeah, I could like, see that. Not elite, no. ne- never elite, but he could be a guy just based on sheer leadership and willpower that could do a lot for your team. And I kind of feel like Tanner McKee is kind of like Derek Carr, like a Ryan yeah. Tannehill asked, like again, not elite, but they probably got the tools. They're big bodied, you know, quarterbacks, but they're not guys I want to bank my future on. Right. Their, their, their ceiling is guy that you have that you can be competitive with, but you're still looking for another quarterback. Um, so four guys this year, Max. Uh, next year, we know May is going to be in the conversation. Williams is going to be in the conversation. I think Ewers has a chance to get in the conversation just because of his talent. Uh, Michael Penix? Yeah, I can see Michael Penix. Um and Which I think he needs to add a fu. Like, let's add a fu in there because that's too close to penis, it's right? I mean, close. like, it's let's call it. Let's just change your name to Michael Phoenix and make everything easier for everybody. And, and it is he, that is going to happen. It's I guarantee. <laughs> um, and there's some Bo Nicks out love out there. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm buying that one. Um, but I think there's three next year that are, you know, maybe four. We'll say maybe four that are like potentially the guy like an elite ceiling type of quarterback so you have to find a way to get one of those eight guys right like right like because like people are like hyping up shadir saunders or sanders and then Jaden daniels is like apparently the top five and spare me with that um i'm just going down this list you can't believe in sam who i can't even say his last name heard from washington i mean i i don't it's it's not a great quarterback class. And this is what I've been telling people is that the quarterback class in the quarterback situation is going to be very cyclical in the draft. These are not going to be, it's going to be a little bit for the quarterback class to come back to where there's like five or six guys. That's why I'm all for if you identify one of these guys, trade up to get them. And, but you're gonna have to find, listen, even if that means going the crazy ass route of trading for Lamar Jackson, Find a franchise guy. Because let me say something about San Francisco and Rand Carthon is that just because they have Trey Lance didn't mean that they didn't weren't going to spend a draft pick on a quarterback and they weren't going to spend money on a quarterback to back him up. And that's how the Titans are going to have to treat Malik Willis. Just because they have Malik Willis and spend a third-round pick on him, which is not as much as a first-round pick, they still got to attack and address the quarterback position until they get it right. And Malik Willis has shown he has shown you no signs, legit no signs. And what I mean by that 
He has shown you no signs because he's not a consistent quarterback. And consistency reigns supreme. So I want to go back to C.J. Stroud just real quick because I I think that C.J. Stroud is probably the best anticipatory thrower of the football and probably arguably the most accurate uh, maybe as well. I think I still would lean Bryce Young. But Bryce Still Young is much more Stroud. Yeah, it's kind of like, like Steph Curry versus du- prime Dwayne Wade, right? Like, I think Bryce Young's, Young's a better playmaker. Guy. You think, think Young's, Young's a better, a better playmaker? playmaker? I think Stroud's a better. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, more accurate. Yeah, I agree. I fully agree. Uh, I, I got them flipped in my head for a second. Um, but if that's the case, and anticipatory throw and accuracy are two of the big things that, um. Whatchamacallit, uh, Rank Carthen said on the green light pod, CJ Stroud is probably the guy that fits that mold. And, you know, I'm not a big o- Ohio State quarterback. I know that's helmet scouting, but I got to see it to believe it. But if they have that strong a conviction, then I will at least keep an open mind and blank slate about CJ Stroud and be excited that they have identified the quarterback of the future sooner rather than later. I think I think Stroud, honestly, Stroud may be the guy that I'm most excited about out of this draft class as far as quarterbacks go because I feel like he's got everything you want in a quarterback. You know, the one thing that he didn't have, the biggest knock on him was, you know, playmaking outside of structure and, and you know, that kind of thing. And I feel like he answered that in that Georgia game to a large degree, which that's just one game. Um, but that's a pretty damn big game and impressive platform to do that in. Um, so, and again, like guys still just 21 years old and, and only has two seasons of, of college football under his belt, uh, as, as you know, a starter anyway. So it is, I, I think it's young and Stroud or one and two very clearly still, I, I still feel that. Um, but I, I would be all in on Stroud. Like I, I very much like him, uh, as a prospect in, I feel like the Vrabel, um, uh, you know, Ohio State connection thing is probably a little bit overblown. But if you remember back, like what Vrabel has t- raved about quarterbacks before is the same thing that Carthon said about anticipation and accuracy. Vrabel was obsessed with Philip Rivers back when Rivers was in the division and they had to play him because he would talk, just rave about Rivers. You know, oh man, he throws it with so much anticipation and he's just, you know, can drop it in the bucket from you know any spot on the field all that stuff i feel like that is what they value i feel like to, they are very much going to be in sync on that and i think cj shroud checks a lot of those boxes i know that, that there's been those reports out there that like from the nfl rums accounts that we always beg you guys not to pay attention to um and i still believe you should not be paying attention to those reports but they do make sense that that, it, that the titans would be attracted to cj stroud from everything we've heard Rand Carthon say from everything we've heard mike brabel say and from what Stroud brings to the table. So, like, I am in and on C.J. Stroud. And for what it's worth, available. his PFF comp is Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> which that probably weird to me. That is that so weird. weird. I, I, I guess it's because of his athleticism and his ability to be accurate, I guess. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. Yeah. Uh, but, mean, like, if you, if you take here's, – here's how you should view it. C.J. Stroud – is what people are so desperate for Justin Fields to be, are so desperate for Lamar Jackson to be as a passer. 
Now he's not, I think that he, there is a lot of explosiveness to his game. And I think as far as on the ground, he can make plays. I went and watched uh, rewatched the Georgia game actually today. And I was like, okay, there's some really good throws, but I really need to go watch the other film. And I know that's the film that everybody's basing it off of is like, I think even no flags film uh, said on uh, a podcast, can't remember which, or maybe it was this video. I don't know. Or maybe it's in his group chat. But he basically said that he's never let one game influence his evaluation more than the Georgia game. But it's it was hard a, not to. It's a fucking awesome game. And I also watched Will Levis's both of his Georgia games. And I could not, for the life of you, tell you what anybody sees Will Levis. I just, he, he's, he's big and he's white. I swear to God, that is the <laughs> only thing that people like about him is that he's tall. And he's white because he's never ranked in the top half or the top like 10% of quarterbacks in deep yards. And everybody's like, oh, he's got a big arm. Well, he sure never hell fucking used it. I mean, he was like, he's awful. He has hardly any deep yards. He's never gone 3,000 yards in a season. He has double digit interceptions over the last two years. He's had, he's played in 24 games, 12 of them, 12 of them in college football. Half of his games, 50%, less than 200 passing yards. I do not see it. I, I am sorry. I just refuse to believe that he's going to be a viable quarterback. Whoever drafts that team, drafts that guy, which is I'm hoping it's the Colts. We talked about it last week about Shane Steichen and going to be out in two years with Chris Ballard. There's, there's your sign right there. Those guys are sunk if they draft Will Levis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I've been out on Levis the whole time, especially as like when people were pushing, you know, mainly Mel Kuyper pushing this the crazy narrative of him being the first overall pick, um, which has been insane from the jump. Um, and if that if a team trades up to number one and takes Will Levis, I will laugh at them forever. And I, <laughs> I just like. I hope that happens. Honestly, I, I would absolutely love it. But I mean, my big um, bold prediction will remain: Will Levis does not go in the first round. I, I'm I think, gonna he, hold I to think it. he will. I think he will. Because some I'll some teams it. gonna be like, "Oh my god, he's six five and he looks like Ben Roethlisberger." Um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, I just I just don't see it with him. But I I see it with Stroud. I see what people like with with Bryce Young. Obviously, like. Um, I think there's a lot to like about those two guys, and I, I think they've shown it you know, consistently over the last two years, it has been they like you talked about consistency. They've been very consistent. Um, and I, I think like you said, uh, with Tannehill, the comp from Tannehill to Stroud, I get it from an accuracy standpoint. And even from an athleticism standpoint, I think they're kind of like similar ish athletes, which is a good thing. I mean, Tannehill is a really good athlete. Um, I think Stroud's a little bit bigger as far as his build than Tannehill is. Um, and I also think Stroud's a better decision maker. Now he doesn't have to make as difficult decisions uh, as Tannehill does in the NFL, but I think he's a better decision maker uh, overall and takes better care of football than, than Tannehill does generally. So I, 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 I think the Stroud is better than Tannehill. And I don't think there's like, I don't think there's this like ceiling on Stroud that like, Oh, he can't ever be more than, that Tannehill car cousins that, you know, mid mid-class NFL quarterback. I, I think, I think he's got an elite ceiling and I think Bryce young does too. I, I just, let me the, ask you the size does bother me with Bryce young. I'm not well, going to lie. A, that's what I want to ask. 
Okay, what does his what is the minimum weight and height that he needs to come in at the combine to say, okay, Bryce Young, he put on the weight. He's a lot taller than I thought. This is the guy for number one, the supreme QB number one in this draft class. If he's less than 5'11, I would be concerned. If he's 5'11, I, I think I'm. He's like 5'10, 3'8. So we okay? 5'10, yeah. 4'8. Maybe. I mean, that's starting to get a little worrisome okay. to me. I, I will say the thing with Young about his height specifically is that his game doesn't show all the limitations that you worry about with a short quarterback generally. Like when you see a short quarterback, you're most of the time you see, okay, he only throws outside the numbers. He's got to get outside the pocket to see the field, all that stuff. But Bryce Young really does a good job of being able to see in the lanes. And, hey, and- he plays at Alabama. So that's like, he's not playing at like North Dakota state or something. Like he's playing with like NFL size, NFL size players. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have like height concerns so much as I have just durability and like, is he going to be able to take a huge hit from Miles Garrett, you know, who's going to outweigh him by, you know, a hundred pounds and be able to get up consistently over a 17 game schedule. And I, I mean, he's had injuries uh, during his time at Alabama. So I think that that's a question mark there for me. Um, that durability and size. That's the only thing keeping me from being in like, at, how many oh, pounds and you feel comfortable? How many pounds? Man, I, I don't even know if it's a pounds thing okay. because I, I feel like, you know, he could weigh 205 pounds at the combine, which is, you know, I think about the minimum size I'd be like really, you know, in on a quarterback weighing long-term. I, I think he will add weight as he goes probably uh, at the NFL level, but, he is a very slender framed guy. Like he does kind of have that, like not quite like to the extreme of Devonte Smith, but Devonte Smith, even if Devonte Smith worked out all the time and took all the like creatine and steroids and whatever in the world to try to bulk up, there's only so bulky Devonte Smith can get because his shoulders are like this wide and his waist is like this. So like, I think so we, need to get, has- so we need to get a tailor out there. To measure uh, Bryce Young. His, I need to know his, waist, shoulder breadth, like, you know, like, yeah. what are we working with? Like, what kind of frame are we working with here? Because uh, I just think he's a kind of a narrow frame guy, and I just don't think he's ever going to be, like, he's never going to look like Russell Wilson. He's never going to look like, I mean, even Kyler Murray has a little bit of thickness to him, even though well, he's Well, yeah, but I mean, guy. when you're only like 5'4", I mean, your weight is compacted. <laughs> True. True. But what, I mean, like... Is- I think so this Arizona team is going to be a disaster. You thought last year was bad. This year is going to be worse. It's it's oh my god! I can't. I, yeah, that's going to be an absolute shit show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, Shots whatever that explosives. was. <laughs> I fucking died laughing. And Shane wasn't any better in his opening press conference either. Like these these guys. Monty fucking dorks. Monty Austinfort should fire the whole fucking social media team for the Cardinals for not sitting on that fucking video and being like, no, absolutely not. This is not seeing the light of day. Like, fuck no. <laughs> like, how do you put that out there? Oh my it's god. So I, I was having like so much secondhand cringe watching that entire thing. I just, oh my god. If you if you haven't seen the Jonathan Gannon, uh, uh was it a player's coach is what they, they said in the tweet yeah. on the Cardinals account, but that video, holy shit, that was uncomfortable. Oh man. Okay. You know, this morning <laughs> we said that uh, we only had like one topic and I said, Oh, we'll probably, we'll if it's just a shorter episode, it'll be we'll a shorter episode. Show. We went well uh, hour and 20. 
yeah. uh, in typical <laughs> F-words fashion. Uh, so that will do it for us. Mike, what are you writing at paulkarski.com this week? The end of the world is nigh, and uh, we should just embrace it. Hey, no, I need I... to give you the uh, fishbowl of despair from uh, Fantasy League a couple of years back. <laughs> I may need to borrow the fishbowl of despair. Uh, no, I, I'm writing about edge rushers in, uh, in the free agency class and what the Titans can do if they do decide to cut Bud Dupree, which they when probably they should. decide to cut Bud Dupree. thousand percent just... slam dunk. Uh, I am starting tomorrow, or I guess to, today, if you're listening to this on the podcast and on a normal Wednesday, uh, stackinginbox.com, $4 a month, uh, free agency 101, free agency 201, and free agency 301, Monday, Tuesday, and win- or wait, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. Uh, it's going to be great. A lot of good information. Uh, free agency 101 is already 2,000 words over, uh, or 2,000 words plus. It'll be like that probably for each one, but we'll be breaking down contracts. I'll be explaining definitions, pointing to certain things and how they all relate to the Tennessee Titans. And then of course, next week is the combine. So stay tuned. We'll be doing some uh, combine. I won't be at the combine. I'd never got approved, nor did I get turned down for a press credential, but I don't think I'm going to make the, the trip up to Indianapolis on the off chance that I did get approved. And they just forgot to send me an email, <laughs> uh, but I will be, I'll just, I'll just dedicate, you know, my days to watching it on TV and really probably come away with the same information that everybody else is coming on. And uh, we'll get this all thing. We're going to, you know, don't expect a franchise tag from the Tennessee Titans. No. You know, don't even worry about it. Uh, the next big decision is all about the quarterback and Ryan Tannehill. So that if something breaks between now and when you hear our voices next, we'll probably do an emergency episode. Until then, Go to Jasper's two for one on Sundays. Watch uh, the Titans version of the of the hockey team, the Nashville Predators, who are in bring the state your fishbowl of, of despair. Yeah, bring the fishbowl of despair. Maybe you could drink a dot out of a dot's boot of despair or something over at Jasper's. But you know, drink all the beer two for one on Sundays. Next Evolution Sports Bar for Mike Curtin at Mike Curtin NFL on Twitter. I'm Zach Lines at F Words Pod, and this has been Football and Other F Words, and you have just been effed. 